Oh, it's good to be here with you guys. It's always fun to come visit. Um, I always feel a little waterlogged if, when I'm here. The kids love to go swimming. So we swam yesterday. I'm sure we'll swim today and swim tomorrow. So that's pretty much all we do when we're, uh, when we're around the house. It's a lot of fun. Um, in case you guys haven't noticed when we're visiting here, it's, it's relatively entertaining around my house. Um, I'm not here to talk to you about parenting because I haven't gotten that figured out yet. Uh, but I will say this, the, the, you know, one of the things that's, that is interesting about the kiddos is I'm finding out that um, you know, I, really, I really like Elena sits in, chair, you know, sits in her chair so well when she's sitting in service, and I just find myself wishing that Trenton would do that and wishing Ale- and Tyler would do that. You know, Tyler's three and Trenton's five, and, um, and then you know, sometimes I get a little frustrated, and I, I don't wait very well. I'm not very patient. I'm just not a patient guy. So I'm really wanting those guys to get, uh, get kind of some of the stuff that their sister has figured out. And every once in a while, I'll be in a store, and somebody will stop me, and, and I guess they can sense my frustration a little bit with the kids, maybe, and they'll say, you know, it, it goes by so fast, you're going to wish for those moments someday. And so I always, always take the time to think about that, and I'm, you know, and when, when, when I have to pull Trenton over and hold, hold him in front of me to make sure he stays still during church, I just, one day I'm going to wish that I had that, that, that back with me. So I try to be patient with him and try to teach them, but Today, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you guys about is, is waiting. I really, you know, Doug's asked me a few times, actually several times, if I'd come back and speak. And, you know, it seems like there's never a perfect time. Um, usually, usually life's just really crazy with the kiddos and with um, all the work that we're doing. Um, I, I've, I've since taken, I've, I've got the same job, but I've been, in case you, for those of you guys that work, you know how this works. When you get a new job, you never really truly get rid of the last job. So I've got two or three jobs that I'm working at the same time right now and trying to transition out and I've been doing that for, it feels like, about three years, so I've, I've, uh, I've just kept waiting for the perfect moment. I just realized when Doug asked me this weekend, it just kind of hit me. I was like, you know, there's not going to be a perfect moment, and so I might as well go ahead, and I felt like God really wanted me to do that. So the other thing is I wanted to honor Pastor Doug and his birthday today. So, yeah, so it's good to honor my father-in-law. Yeah, so happy birthday. Yep, so it'll be fun. Uh, so we're going to go celebrate later today and have a good time, and just kind of while we were here this weekend just having fun and... So one of the things that I want to talk to you a little bit about today is waiting. So my wife will tell you that I'm not a very patient person at all. And um, we've got this vacation coming up in November to the place with the Mickey ears. You guys remember that place or ever heard of that place? Um, and so one of the things that, I've, that I know about Disney is that it's not really a vacation for parents. It's really just a vacation for the kids. And so I'm really looking forward to waiting in long lines. So you, can you imagine? We're, we're, we, I just... We're having to pay this check, this huge check, at the end of September before our vacation in November. So I'm really, really excited every time I think about the amount of money I'm going to pay to go sit in a long, very long line and wait with kids that are very upset and very tired until we get on a ride and we go around and we listen to this music that's going to stay in my head. It's a small road for the rest of the day and probably for the rest of the year. And so it's, it's interesting to me that we, that we as parents do all these things for our kids. But, but pretty much the, the entire thing about Disney um, really is pre- pretty much the anti-vacation for me because I like to be by myself, I don't like to wait on stuff, and I just like to, to relax and kind of be still. And so one of the things that, um, that God wants us to do a lot of times, I'm really a big believer in this, is to relax. I'm glad Tiffany walked back in. To relax and be still and listen. And, uh, and a lot of times we don't like that. It's just not something we like to do. It's something that is very anti-against us. And so there's a proverb... Um, 
that is one of my favorite proverbs um, because it's, it's not it's something I have to think about all the time. But it's blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors and waiting at my doorway. And so for me, um, I have to remember this all the time, this particular proverb, because I, I'm not one that likes to just sit and, uh, and wait on things. I, like I said, it's kind of weird because on vacations I like to be by myself. I like to just kind of just kind of relax. But when I'm working and when I'm doing things in life, I just like to have it done, 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 done. And so anything we do is like I like to have it planned out. I like to have it done. I like to move forward, go, to, go for it. And one of the things you'll figure out about me is that I'll never let anybody outwork me for anything. So one of the things that, that they love about me at work is that I'll over-prepare, I'll overwork. Uh, nobody's going to out-prepare me or outwork me for anything that we go get. And so for me to stop with the kids, with work, and for me to listen to God is a challenge. It's something I don't do enough. It's something I don't do often enough. It's something I don't do. It's something that I desperately need, but I don't do it enough. And watching for God and waiting at my doorway. So we're all waiting for something. So some of us have heard words from God in the past, and we're waiting for the revelation of God in our life. Some of us are are just waiting for God to come back. We've been waiting. I've heard ever since I was a little kid, God's coming back tomorrow. Just wait. He's watching. Just watch and wait. He's coming back tomorrow. And I truly believe that the end is near, and I truly believe that we're, in, we're living in the last days. There's no doubt that just looking at the things that are going on and the, the decline of our culture in America and some of the things that are going on, it, you know, there's no doubt that there's some, there's some odd things going on that the end's probably, probably pretty close. But for me, one of the things that we have to do is we have to be careful that when God speaks to us, because he's given us a lot of promises, that we don't give up on the promises that God's given us. So God's given us promises in our life personally for you. He's given us promises for the church, for this body locally here in Shreveport. And a lot of times we're very impatient. We don't want to wait on God. It's in God's timing. And so one of the things that, that, that I really felt like God impressed upon my heart is that we're either all waiting for something from God or he's waiting on us. So let that sink in for a second. Because it really hit me. Because if, I, if I'm not actively waiting on God to do something in my life, I'm not anticipating something to be done in my, wife, my life, most likely he's probably waiting on me to do something for him. It's interesting. So we're either always waiting on God to do something, or he's waiting on us. And so we might as well get used to this waiting. This psalm, Psalm 130, typically known, when you, when you look at the psalm, especially this particular psalm, it's really... Uh, most people study this in light of salvation. So it, it looks at the condition of your soul and how we're all, we're all basically you know, sinners that are saved by grace and how we're constantly waiting on God to come back and completely re- fulfill his redemption within us. But I want to actually talk a little bit this morning. So I'm, what I'm going to do is put this into kind of two frames. We're going to talk about this psalm in light, in, light of the, in light of us waiting on God's promises and waiting on God to fulfill his promises in our life. And then I also want to leave you kind of with three different things about um, what God's saying about waiting. So we'll read Psalm 130. So I'm, I'm a PowerPoint guy, in case you guys hadn't figured out. I do have my Bible in my bag. If, if, it, if it made you feel better, I could bring it up and open it up. But I spend so many hours in front of PowerPoint every week. It's, uh, if I slip into talking about rail cars and transportation and uh, EBITDA and operating profit, I apologize. I'll try not to. That's, I'm so used to being in front of these things, sometimes I'm just a creature of habit, so it's easier for me to do it this way. But Psalm 130, 
It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman waits in the morning, for the morning, more than the watchman waits for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the, for the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem, redeem Israel from all their sins. So the first part of this psalm, verse 1, says, Out of the depths I cry to you. In another translation, it says, Out of the depths of the waters. So with this particular psalm, like I said, it's had a lot of study, and it's typically in, in, in the study around our condition of our soul. There's very little known about the psalm in terms of the history and the culture. There's very few references in most of the psalms. When you go through reading the psalms, there's actually a reference about the culture, local culture. There's a reference about the situation at the time the psalmist is writing the psalm. In this case, there was no reference at all. It's just kind of, a, it's just kind of out there. He just starts out saying, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. And like I said, one translation says, out of the depths of the water. So the particular psalmist, when he was penning this or writing it, he was just something that was deep inside of him. He was saying, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm covered up. I feel like, if, if you think about this and, and, and picture it, he said that he felt like he was buried or drowning in water. So how many of you guys ever feel like you're drowning? I mean, I, I feel like I'm bar- I can barely keep my head above water. In fact, a lot of times what I do, I'll come home from work, and Tiffany will ask me how my day at work was, and I'll say, you know, I really don't want to talk about it, because that's, that's more of my style. I just, I do, I'd rather just leave it, leave it at work, and I'd rather come home and just do the things I do at home, enjoy the home life. But a lot of times I'll tell her, you know, I just, I just feel like I'm drowning. I just feel like I can barely get my head above water. I just feel like a successful day is when I come out of work and I have my head just slightly above water. And, and we live life so busy these days is that it feels like that with God in our lives, is that, hey, I just feel like I'm just barely treading water. I'm just barely making it with you. And in this particular psalm, it's not something, this was written how many years ago? I mean, it's not something that's unusual. It's something that all of us have been through and all of us are going through. But this person felt like they were drowning. So this psalmist feels like they were drowning and they were in the depths, from, from the depths of their soul, they're crying out. And they're saying, Lord, hear my voice. It's almost like a question and a desire at the same time. They're saying, Lord, can you hear me? Lord, Lord are you up there? Are you out there? Can you hear me? Have you guys ever been there where you're saying, Lord, can you hear me? I mean, that's, what, that's where we've all been. And so it's also a question, but it's also a desire to say, Lord, hear my voice. So in the, in the same regard, he's questioning. You can just feel this sense of urgency, sense of depth, that he's drowning and saying, God, please hear my cry. It's like this urgent. And it's also like this, can you hear my cry? So at the same time, it's a question and a desire. And for us, when we're waiting on God, whether it's waiting to fulfill a personal word in your life, a word for the church, whether it's waiting for, you know, something, an answer to a prayer. It could be, no matter what you're waiting for, sometimes you just feel like, God, can you still hear me? Is that, is that, is that something, did, did I really hear God? Did I hear him right? Is that word correct? When God said that this would happen, is it absolutely correct? Am I sure that that's what God said? Am I sure it was from God? And we begin to question all these things come swirling in our life. And when we're waiting on God to answer us, um, God's building our faith inside of him. And we're, we can constantly ask, God, can you hear me? Are you still there? Is this still something you have for my life? And God's saying absolutely yes today, that it's still something he has for you. So whatever that is today, when you walked in the door, the thing that you desire most, the thing that you've been waiting on, whether it's for you personally or for the church here in Shreveport, 
That's the thing that God's saying, yes, it's absolutely real. It's something I did speak to you and just to hold on. So in verse 3, it says, If you, O Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. So one of the battles we have when we're waiting on God to fulfill his promise in our life, A, we, we begin to question, God, can you hear me? Is it real? But then the other thing that kind of creeps into our mind is, am I not seeing this happen because I'm not doing the right thing? So we begin to put guilt upon ourselves. But this, the psalmist says, Lord, if you, if, 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 if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? There's not a single person in this room that would be worthy of the promises of God, including me, including everybody. I mean, the, Billy Graham, one of the best pastors, you know, speakers and evangelists we've ever heard, he wouldn't stand worthy in the eyes of God without his grace and his forgiveness. So one of the things that happens when we begin to wonder about God fulfilling a promise, why am I not seeing this happen in my life? Why am I not seeing this particular healing? Or why is this not being answered in our finances? Or why are my kids away from God? All those whys, we begin to say, oh God, what am I doing incorrectly? And I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing things. So there's absolutely, we should be praying for God. We should be seeking God. But this psalmist clearly is saying from the depths of his heart, he's going through these little things saying, Hey, God, you know, can you hear me? Um, God, I, you know, I, I, there's no way I can earn this. I, I can't earn this. There's nothing I can do to possibly earn your promises. And so we battle against ourselves. We battle against our guilt. But the thing that God's speaking to us today is saying that absolutely none of us are worthy. So you've all shown up to church with a bunch of sinners today. And that, that's the beauty of it. If you look back at all the people in the Bible, it, just, it still amazes me to this day when you read about David, you read about all these different folks. Like, it's, almost, it's, almost like reading, it's almost like watching a soap opera unfold in the Bible. And the redemption power of God is amazing. And that's what the entire story is all about. That's the Old Testament and New Testament is the story of his redemption in our life. So with reverence, we serve God. So he goes on to say, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can reverence, with reverence we can serve you. So there's times when we're waiting on God to answer something in our life that we just have to remember it's not about us. And that with reverence, knowing who God is, knowing that God can do what he can do, knowing that he's done it before, we just have to continue to serve him. Day by day, grinding it out. So you always hear these coaches, like college football is great this time of year for me. I love, Tiffany probably hates college football because I love it so much. But one of the things you always hear about this time of year, right before the season starts, is a bunch of coach speak. And so all the coaches get up on the podium and they'll ask them about, you know, how's the, how's the week going? They might have had a horrible week of practice, but they'll say things like, oh, it's a grind. Every day's a grind. You know, we're just doing, we're striving to be the best we can be. And so those are the things that coaches will say about their team. And those are the things that, that we kind of tend to say about ourselves. Well, it's a grind. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I mean, really, we're probably doing horrible inside. And so we just have all these little off-the-cuff things that we kind of say, and we're not realistic about what's going on in our life. But with reverence, with, with knowing what God can do in our life, we just have to grind it out and serve him every day. Even in, even in times we're not seeing God do the things that he says he's going to do. So, so did you hear what I said? Sometimes we don't see God do the things that we know he says he's going to do in our lives. We still have to reverently serve him. We don't turn around and say, God, I just can't believe you're not doing this. I'm just going to give up. Or God, today, yeah, I'm not going to do these things because you, know, you hadn't really lived up to the promises you've given to me. And so every day we have to grind it out and serve him. The psalmist continues to go on and he says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than the watchman waits for the morning, 
more than the watchman waits for the morning. So this is where he kind of gets into the struggle. So in this particular, in this particular psalm, this psalmist is saying, you know, I feel like I'm drowning. I don't feel like you can hear me right now, but I'm going to continue to wait. And my entire being is waiting on you. And in your word, I put my hope. So this particular psalmist is saying my whole entire being is just sitting waiting. And so you can still feel that struggle within this psalm. You can feel the struggle of him saying he's buried underwater, crying out, saying, God, I, can't, I don't know if you can hear me. Saying, saying things like, God, if, if anybody, if you kept records against us, I wouldn't be worthy. So you see all these things that he's struggling with internally. And he continues to struggle here and saying, my, my entire being is just waiting. I'm just, I'm just dependent on you. But he turns here. This is where the entire thing starts to turn. So the entire psalm starts to turn on this particular phrase, and he says, in his word, I put my hope. So hope is just simply faith. So in his word, I put my hope. So the word that God's given you, the word that's God given us, no matter how we feel about whether we're drowning, we're not seeing those things come to fruition, we're not seeing the things in, God, in our life that we want God to see, what we have to do is put our hope in his word. So we have to continually remind ourselves to put our hope in his word. So watching and waiting, just a little context around more than the watchmen wait for the morning. So when this particular passage was written, um, you have to understand that back in the day, um, there were large cities that were typically fortified with walls around the city. So the watchmen were the guys that were sitting on top of the walls or near the gate that were watching. They were basically the guardsmen. So they were watching to make sure the city wasn't under attack at night. So while everybody was cozy in bed sleeping, some, some guy's job was to stand up and, and basically stay up all night and watch. So, you know, one of the things that they did was that they would, they would just be watching and waiting for the, for, the, for the morning to come. And they were so excited for when the morning came because it means they could get off their shift, they were off work. You know, it, mean, it means that they could actually be done with their particular night shift and they could go get some sleep or go to, throughout their day and do what they needed to do. And so there was a desire for the, for the morning to come. And so when, when we read this, and it says, more than the watchmen wait for the morning, what the psalmist is saying is, I am so excited. I'm so, I'm so watching. I'm so waiting for your presence to be in my life, for you to fulfill your word. I'm so excited. It's, it's, like, it's like the guard that was waiting for his shift to be over. It was like me waiting for my work. Maybe it's like me waiting for retirement one day. <laughs> so I can go and fish and golf and all the different things. So you know, this is in context of what he's saying is there's just this excitement, this anticipation of waiting on God and being excited about what God's going to do in his life. And so he goes on and he, and he corporately puts, says, Israel, put your hope in, his, in, in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing love, and with him full, is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So he kind of takes it from a personal side where he says, and now I'm putting my hope in the Lord. He then reminds himself and he looks at all of his fellow, you know, fellow brethren in the, in, the, in the church and he says, you know, not only, not only do, you need to, do I need to put my hope in the Lord, but I also need to encourage everybody around me to put their hope in the Lord as well. So three things I want to leave you with to remember today about waiting on God to fulfill his promises in your life. Okay, so three, three pretty simple things. Let God design the delivery. Okay? So when God puts a word in your life, puts a word or a promise in your life, again, whether it's something from the scriptures or whether it's something personal to you about the church or, or something that's going to happen in your life or, or something that you're asking for from God, you have to remember that God's got to design how this thing's going to happen. So I've often wondered when an author writes a book, so you guys have read books before, fictional books and stories. 
I've, I've kind of wondered, like, how do you write the second book? The first book seems pretty easy because you can come up with an idea. You can write the story. It's this great story. But once you start writing the second book, how do you not kind of fall back into the script from the first book? So you, you keep writing the book saying, you know, I remember, I remember in the last book it was really cool when I did this. And I think about that with movies, too. You know, the guys that are writing these movies, the scripts for the movies. How, how do you not, in some of the movies, like we, we watched, uh, you'll, you'll see my gear of movies now. We watched the movie Planes. Anybody watched the movie Planes before? Planes is like a Disney cartoon movie. And Planes is basically, if you've ever seen the movie Cars, which is another movie I've watched. Um, Cars is, again, a cartoon movie by Disney. If you've ever seen Planes, Planes is just basically the exact same movie Cars, but just with Planes. And so I've often wondered, like, how do people prevent doing that when you're writing movies and writing books? Like, how do you not, your second book, just basically be like an imitation of the first book? And so the reason I say that today is because a lot of times we'll see God move in our life, or we'll see God move in somebody else's life, and then we set up the scenario of how God's going to answer our prayer, or how God's going to do something in our life. So we're going to say, okay, well, you know, God's moving this way in Tiffany's life right now, and, and she, you know, she's having these amazing quiet times and devotions with God. So apparently, I, you know, may, maybe that's what God's going to do in my life. Maybe God's going to do this, and he's going to do it exactly the same way. And so we begin to look, set ourselves up and say, you know, we, we, we begin to say, okay, if God, if I see this, this, and this, I know that these things are happening. I know that you're about to fulfill this. And so what we're doing is we begin to architect the way that God's going to deliver his word to us, the way that he's going to fulfill his word to us. It's human nature for us to just look for that. Because, again, it's the right thing to do is to anticipate, to watch for God, is to say, I need, you know, God, I want you to fulfill that word in my life, and we're anticipating, we're waiting, we're watching. And the next progression of that is to begin to say, okay, God, this is how I expect it to play out. So what happens is, is that when we do that, we begin to lose faith in God. Because we begin to tell God, hey, it needs to be done this way, this way, and this way. Or we begin, to, we begin to watch for it, and we get very discouraged because we're not seeing these certain things happening that we're expecting. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're losing faith in God, saying, well, maybe God will never do this. So Moses is a great example in Exodus 4. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? I love the way the Lord just kind of speaks very, very bluntly to us, you know, just matter of fact. So who gave you your mouth? Um, who, makes the deaf, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. So more, Moses is still, he's still arguing. And the setup for this is that, this is after Moses had been, Moses had actually, you know, he had actually uh, gone through a pretty rough time. He, he was born, you know, in, into, the Pharaoh, into the Pharaoh's uh, uh, servanthood. So he was actually out there serving in the Pharaoh's kingdom. It was like he was basically a child of the Pharaoh, which was, which was amazing because he wasn't a servant. He was actually more like a child of Pharaoh. And, you know, he was, he was upset because he was seeing the way the children of God were being treated, mistreated. Um, and he actually killed one of, the, one of Pharaoh's, one of Pharaoh's uh, people. And so after that, he had gone out and he was run, basically running. So this is another guy who's killed somebody. So again, talking about you know, the people in God's word of, of how the redemption story is so great for God. But this is somebody who had gotten upset. He had left. He had run away. 
And now God's telling him to go back to Pharaoh and basically tell his people to be set free. And, he, and he's arguing with God, saying, God, I can't, I, that you can't, this can't be the plan. This can't be your plan for redeeming your nation. So the, the, one of the greatest nations in all the world right now, Egypt, you know, has your people captive. And you think, I, me, me, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell him to set them free? And so God actually begins to explain to him exactly how it's going to go down. And he tells him, you know, he even gives him a staff and he tells him all these different things. And, and throughout that time, Moses is still arguing, you know, just pardon your servant, Lord, but send someone else. So he's basically, he's basically telling God, I, don't, I know you can do it. I have, I, have, I have faith that you can do what you're saying you're going to do. I know you can set your people free, but this can't be the way you're going to do it. And so a lot of times what happens with us, when God speaks about us as a, as a, to us personally or as a church body, we begin to say things like, God, I, I know you're going to do it. I, I have confidence you can do it. But something must be going awry because it's just not, you're looking around at my circumstances today. It's just not the right thing to do. It's not, it's not going to happen. This is, can't be the way it's going to go down. But God, God, God constantly surprises us throughout the Word, throughout the Scripture in our life. He constantly surprises you and me. It's never the way we think it's going to happen. Never. Like, when, is it ever, when has God ever done anything in your life and you just, you're like, yep, I knew it was going to go down, just like that. It just never happens that way. I mean, I think about all the things that God's done in our life and the way he's blessed our family and there were times in my work that work wasn't going so well, and I'd applied for the job and looked for other things, and it was, I, was, I was really, really close to taking another job with another company. And I had interviewed for it, and, and it turned out, like, a year later, all those positions were eliminated. And you're just going, well, I thought at the time, you know, at the time, I really thought that was something I wanted, that I needed to do. And that, because that thing didn't work out, you know, I, I was sitting there going, man, that, it's just, I must have goofed that one up. And what did I say in that interview, or what did I say in the thing, and what happened? And the whole time, God was sitting there going, I, I know what's about to happen a year from now or two years from now. And so the, 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 thing, the thing that God does is not always the thing that we think he's going to do. So then lo, Lord, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God, to, like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden the Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt with mighty acts of judgment. I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And I will stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. And Moses was 80 years old. And Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. I threw that one in there just in case anybody thought maybe God didn't work regardless of age. So uh, for all of us, one of the things that God does is that in our life, he actually said, down, I, I wish he would, this is, this is where I'm bent towards. Like if God promised something to me, when he does promise things to me, what I prefer is that God lays out the plan just like this. I wish he would just say, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and he gives me the next 15 steps of what's going to go down. So, so what happens is here is that Moses actually says, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and it actually comes through to, to, to fruition. So God completely, God completely answers and, and redeems the people of Israel exactly the way that he said it was going to go down, which is exactly the way Moses said it couldn't go down. So Moses basically says, 
it's not going to happen this way. I can't speak. I'm not the guy that's going to go and happen. And God says, not only is it going to happen that way, but let, look, let me give you all the details of what's about to happen. He throws out all the details of what's about to happen, and then every single thing comes to fruition. God's got a plan for you and for me that's, that's mapped out for the rest of our lives. And we have, we have absolutely no idea of what he's capable of doing. So let God design the delivery. A few other examples just for you guys to think about later. The three Hebrew children um, probably didn't expect to be thrown into the fire. I'm just guessing. Uh, Noah probably didn't expect to spend a good portion of his life building a gigantic boat and then living on it with animals. And then Gideon, I've heard you guys have been talking a little bit about Gideon lately. So um, I think that was correct. Am I correct on that? Yeah. So he probably didn't expect to fulfill some of the things that God was going to fulfill for him. And the Bible's just absolutely full of examples from start to finish of where he absolutely designs your path and he does the unexpected in your life. So even when we think we're limited as, as a person, we think we're limited as a church or a body, God says there's absolutely no limitations when I'm in control. Let God control, let God control the delivery, how it happens, and let God control the timing. So this is the other string. I, this is the other thing I struggle with is the timing. So I, I just stuck in here airports, delays, and landing, just so you can a little bit about my personality. So I have to I have to go into airports quite a bit. I travel. I usually travel two to three, sometimes four days a week, and it's usually hopping from city to city with my work. So. I'm constantly in the airport, and I'm probably one of the worst people you'd ever want to ever want to fly by because I just put my headphones in. I don't want to talk. I just I just want to sit there. It's like my one quiet time. And I actually have to take Dramamine on every flight. So most people don't know this, but I get car sick. So on a flight, um, it's not a big deal if the flight's smooth. But the problem is, if, for those of you that ever get car sick, is like once you get car sick, it's miserable. Like your your whole day is wrecked. And so I have to take that stuff to prevent. So I'm basically like the human test. Test, uh, test guy for, uh, for Dramamine. So when you see me in an airport, a lot of times after about an hour, I've taken an hour before the flight. After about an hour, I'm just sitting there just wobbling in the chair, just trying to stay awake until we get to the plane. And then once I'm on the plane, you know, then I can go to sleep. But one of the things that I found is that when I'm sitting there, I just want to get where I'm going. Like, I just want to be there on time. And it bothers me to no end. One of the worst things that bothers me about airplanes is when we're flying, let's say I have to go from Little Rock like to, to Dallas for some reason. And I fly from Little Rock to Dallas and we get there on time in the plane, but we pull up to the gate and there's no crew. There's no crew to come out and marshal us in. There's no crew to, to bring the little jet bridge over. And it's just like, of all the things, the pilot, you know, all the things have gone right, the plane's mechanically correct, the pilot's there, the crew's there, and we land and they can't get somebody to open the gate for us. Like, of all the things that you got that are under your control, like, that should be under your control. I even had a recent situation where I found myself, we, the, we were, I was flying into St. John, New Brunswick, and I was flying in, the, the guy comes over, the pilot comes over the announcement, or the speaker, and he says, hey guys, just wanted to let you know, um, but there's some pretty heavy fog that is kind of built into St. John, and if we're, we're going to make a couple passes, don't, don't get freaked out about it. We're going to make a pass or two around. And, and if we can land, we'll land. And if, you know, if we can't, we'll fly you over to this city that's about 100 miles away and we'll bus you back. And it, you know, it's almost 11 o'clock at night. And I'm sitting here going, you better land this plane. And so, so we're, we're flying in this plane. And I'm sitting here going, you know, I don't care if it's foggy. I don't care, if it's, I don't care what's going on. We better land this plane. 
And, and I'm sitting there, it's just amazing to me that, that I'm so impatient and wanting to be there on time, I'm willing to risk my life landing in this fog. And then it didn't really hit me because I, I kept feeling that way until we got, until we were, we were headed down. And then I got into the fog and I couldn't see anything. And we kept going down and down and down. And you were going, okay, because you, you kind of know when you fly a lot, you kind of know when the wheels come down, you know about the timing of when to hit the land. I couldn't tell if we were a thousand feet off the ground or if we were five foot off the ground. And all of a sudden I realized that was a pretty dumb thing to wish for. Like I, at that moment in time, I was going fly us to the other city and we'll bust it in. Why are we doing this? So, and then, and then when we hit the ground, like literally I saw the ground probably, you know, no more than, I don't know. It, it, I mean, of course, to me, for those of you that fly, it's probably way higher, but it felt like about from here to the ceiling when I finally saw the floor. I have no idea. It was probably a lot bigger than that, but it just felt like, it felt like we hit the ground as soon as I could see it. These are stories I typically spare Tiffany. Uh, so she didn't worry about me flying. But in, in terms of allowing God to control the timing of when he fulfills his promises, it's very, very difficult for us because we want everything now. We want it today. Um, but it just doesn't happen that way sometimes. And that's why, that's why I, I love this Psalm 130 that we opened with because he talked about the fact that he, with all of his being, he was waiting, and he was waiting like the watchman and the guards at the gate because sometimes we just have to wait. There are times in life that we just have to wait on God. We can't lose faith. But we, we constantly want to push for timing and say, God, we need it to happen now. We need it to happen tomorrow. We need it to happen yesterday. Joseph uh, had a dream. That, that timing thing got him into a little bit of trouble. So I just brought out some very... I know you guys have heard these stories before. I just brought out some very simplistic stories just to illustrate the point. Joseph had a dream when he told his brothers they hated him. So, you know, of course, the, the dream was basically that you know, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream, so he decided the first time was fun to make his brothers mad, so he went and told him again. And he said, Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. So he's just reinforcing it. I can see this is typical Elena and Trenton. When Elena figures something out that Trenton gets upset about, Elena will, Elena will just pick at it and pick at it and pick at it. We're, we, have this, we have our minivan. It's hilarious because she'll start singing a song, and for some reason it bothers Trenton that she's singing the song. So then she sings. She won't sing that song, but she'll sing a hundred variations of that song. And, he'll, and so he'll tell on her again, well, she's singing that song again. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm not singing that song. I'm singing this song. And so then she changes like one word in it, and she varies it up. But she just picks and picks. And that's what Joseph basically was doing. God had absolutely given him a word early on in his life as a teenager. It still is, it still is interesting to me because um, God certainly didn't have to give this dream to him that early in life. Um, at least from my perspective, he wouldn't have had to. But from God's perspective, he absolutely had to because Joseph had to go through the thing, some things to get ready for what God had in store for him later in life. And so his brothers ended up getting so mad at him that basically they uh, threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery. And then you know, he found his way into, into, uh, kind of into Potiphar's house. And uh, you know, there he was, he was having a good time. But then basically his, his, his wife came and uh, you know, set him up for failure. And so he found himself in prison. And for two years had passed, he was sitting in prison. And Pharaoh had a dream. And, um, and, uh, and so basically 
throughout his life, he had had all these instances of, of, of trouble and, tri- and trials and tribulation. But in all that time, God was preparing him for something that he was about to do. And so you guys know the story. He interpreted a couple of dreams. Um, it worked out really well. And so he was actually able to be in a position to save his family and a lot of the nation of Israel by providing supplies um, during a time of famine and drought. But all, that thing, all those things wouldn't have happened um, if God wouldn't have given that dream early on in life. But he waited years and years and years. But during those years that he was waiting, God was preparing. And so there's things that we, we, we want to automatically think that God has completely prepared the way for us and that God's completely prepared us and we're ready for everything that God wants to give us. So, but, but what I'm finding in life is, and the more, the more I think about it, I remember when I was doing some youth pastor work at 20, I was like 20 years old, and I remember one of our pastors telling me, hey, Brian, you have, you have wisdom beyond your years. And, you know, now, now 16 years later, I, you know, I look at that statement, I'm like, that was more of an encouragement, encouraging statement than a prophetic statement because I absolutely didn't have wisdom beyond my years then. In, in, in 10 years or 15 years down the road, I'm going to look back now at my life, and I'm going to be like, man, I had no wisdom then either. And so God, God, it's amazing to what God does in us and in the, in the way that our perspectives change and life changes and the things that he prepares our heart for. That, that happens over a period of time. It happens over years. It doesn't, it doesn't always happen over days. It doesn't always happen over hours. And so there's things that I want you to encourage you today to say, let, let God's timing be the timing for what he's going to do in your life. He's preparing you. And the last thing, let God build your faith in the wait. So... One of the things that you'll, one of the things about me is that, you know, I, I have, I have faith, I have, I have quite a bit of faith in a lot of things. One of the things I'm not so crazy about is roller coasters. So with my kids, I've started, again, ride, they've started getting old enough now to where I'm still going to ride roller coasters. And so when I, when I'm standing in line, there was one in particular, we were at Silver Dollar City in Branson, and there's this, there's this roller coaster that, that I guess they, they have some kind of pressurized steam cannon that uh, they put you in the roller coaster and you sit there and then all of a sudden there, you know, it pressures up and you can hear the thing pressuring up and then it's like this big explosion and it shoots you out and so you go from like 0 to 65 miles per hour in just a few seconds. And I, I had no desire to ride it, but Trenton wouldn't ride it. And so Trenton's was like, well, Daddy's not scared of it. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not scared of it. You better believe I'm not scared of it. And so I'm standing in line for this roller coaster. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking all the, all the things. I'm like, you know, and I see it. You know, I hear the cannon, boom, and I see things shoot out from in front of me. And I see it go around all these loops and circles and different stuff. And, and I'm going, you know, that thing was probably well built. I have faith that I'm going to be able to get off, get on and get off and be all right. I'm going to survive. But I was, as I was waiting in line, the closer and closer I got, and I, I would never tell this to Trenton, but the closer and closer I got, the more I started questioning my faith in this roller coaster <laughs> and whether or not I was going to survive it. And, and a lot of times that's how we are in our walk with God when we're waiting on promises. When we're waiting on God to fulfill something in our life, the longer we wait, the more we question what we thought we were going to get from God. So God wants us to build our faith. He doesn't want the wait to be a time where our faith wanes. He wants, our t- he wants the wait to be a time when our faith is built, where we continually build our confidence in him. So a couple of verses just to close out with. James 5, 7 says, Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rain. So we, we grow, we actually have a little vegetable garden, 
that we've planted. And we did it so that we could have our kids actually learn to, learn to eat some vegetables. And they tend to want to eat the vegetables they grow. So it's kind of a neat little trick. But our kids don't have a lot of patience, especially my three-year-old. And so when we put the seeds in the ground, he just doesn't understand that it, the plant doesn't pop up immediately in the next day or two and grow the fruit and be able to eat the fruit. And he certainly doesn't understand once the fruit starts coming on, he needs to let it ripen. So we were constantly this year fighting the battle of him going out and picking unripened fruit. And so for us, you know, God's a lot of the same way. When God gives us a word, he wants us to wait. He wants us to build our faith, and he wants us to wait until the right time, and then we can harvest the fruit that God has for us. We can't be discouraged in the time of wait. Romans 1 says, I long to see you that I may impart some, to, to use some spiritual gift to make you strong. This is Paul talking to the church of Romans. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan to come to you many times, but I have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among many other Gentiles. So again, this is just a time of when you're waiting on God to do something in your life or as a church, that God wants you together to be encouraged. Encourage each other in your faith together. Um, remind each other about the words that God's given you. Remind about the promises in the Word of God. Remind about the promises for the church, the promises for, the, for you personally, the healing that can come and will come. Those are the things that God wants you to each, each other to remind, all of us to remind each other in and be encouraged in that God's going to do. And a very simple last statement for you. I'll let the Word speak for itself. Hebrews 6, and it's not 153, sorry, it's 15 through something. I think, it's, oh, I think it's 13 through 15. So when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. This is the part I love. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. So if I could sum everything up today in one word... It would be after waiting patiently, you will receive what you've been promised. I don't know why God spoke this word to me today to come and speak to you guys. I don't know if it's for one person or for the whole church or for everybody. I, I really don't know. I just know that I felt really impressed when I started kind of preparing for this word when, when, when Pastor Doug asked me to speak. I've so many times said, I can't do it. It's not the right time. This is no different this time. But I really felt like something in, God's, in, in my heart that God said, today is the day you need to speak. And it wasn't long before I knew this was the word I was supposed to speak. So I don't know why. I cannot, I, this is the part that drives me nuts about speaking. I don't know how you do it every week. I wish I, I wish I knew exactly which one of you in here or every one person needed that. Because you walk out going, well, I hope it was all right. Because some of you guys will be really sweet and come up later and say, that's a great word, Brian. But, you know, that I just hope it was delivered the way that God wanted it to be delivered. So I think the encouraging thing today is that Whatever you're waiting on, just remember that after so waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. He did it time and time again in the scriptures, and he'll do it for you too. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for your word. Just pray that um, I delivered it the way that you intended. And if I didn't, Lord, I just pray that you would take it and make it what you need it to be in the hearts and lives today here in the service. Um, help me, God. Just pray that you would help me wait patiently on you to, to, to reveal the things that you have in my life, the things that you've spoken to me and to our family. God, I just pray that you would continue to work in us and prepare us for those, um, for that time of fulfillment that you have for us. Thanks for your encouragement, God, and we just leave the design and the timing up to you, and we know that you're going to fulfill this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
Any closing remarks?